Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am back to cover CD number two from this wonderful box set, Big Boy Green and Blues from Cherry Red Records, released here in this year, 2023. Uh, this album that we're going to cover, CD number two, is the Big Boy Blue album released in 2002. Got some Bernie originals on it, and I'm looking forward to digging into those as well as some other songs. And before I do that, I'm going to introduce the band. So we have, of course, Bernie Morrison back on guitar and vocals, because where else would he be? We also have Sharon Watson on vocals. We have Nigel Neal on piano, piano and organ, John Gordon on bass guitar, Graham Walker on drums. And then we've got, of course, Gabriel Garrick on trumpet. Got to have a trumpet, right, for this kind of music. And uh, we have Nick Payne, P-A-Y-N, I hope I'm saying that right, on harmonica and saxophone. Andy Hamilton also on saxophones and Mike Winch on trumpet. We have special guests, Michael Roach and Ian Parker. What they're doing, I have no idea, but they are guests on this album. Uh, produced by Bernie Marsden and recorded by James Masters, mixed by James Masters and Bernie, Bernie Marsden. So, um you know, a lot of people involved, but it's nice when you can keep it sometimes to a, a nice core group that really understands the direction of the project and not get a whole lot of people that can, you know, get it off track. Even, you know, even if you've only got two people and you're you're soaked into a project, honestly, it is very easy for a project to start taking a different shape, especially when you get into the uh, mixing and mastering phases just because you can easily lose that um, perception of what the project was supposed to be about. And you just get so involved in the tones and the mixing phase of things that you can really change the shape of the, the music uh, with EQ and panning and, and volume levels and all that. But uh, when you have people who are very focused on, here's the direction of the project, here's where we need it to be, and just can keep it on that path, uh, that's when you're going to get the best accurate representation of the vision of the project. So uh, I'm going to guess that's what we've got here. Again, I'm not a big blues guy. So this music is really uh, unfamiliar territory to me other than, you know, the notions that I have of it, which are that or, you know, the shuffle, um, those kind of uh, repetitive lyrics that we talked about on the last uh, review. So, you know, it's it was really enlightening to hear a lot of the music on on disc one because it was somewhat familiar, but also there were some really big surprises. I think there's like the traditional blues and then there's the more uh, modern blues and certain amount of progressive blues. And, you know, just like everything else these days, we've got to have 82 different varieties of everything. And I'm sure if they could make a blue raspberry blues, they would probably do that, even though that's the weirdest flavor I think that I've ever experienced. I still don't know when that started. I was working at 7-Eleven and just all of a sudden I noticed one day that we had uh, like blue raspberry Jolly Ranchers or something. And I thought, where the hell did this come from? I don't remember this ever starting or being a thing. It was like all of a sudden it was just there. And then boom, blue raspberry flavors of everything. And it's it's obnoxious. Not a flavor I particularly enjoy. I understand it's popular. Otherwise, it wouldn't be out there. But it's a really weird flavor. And whenever I see blue, I think mint, um, just like with green, but there's like the ice blue mint jelly belly jelly beans that they used to have back in the, the early days of jelly belly. And um, so blue it has always been uh, a representation of mint, um, but also green. So um, 
Yeah, it's weird. But whenever I see blue, that's the first thing I get excited because I think it's going to be mint. And then I find out it's just blue raspberry and I, I just deflate. Uh, of course, now I can't have candy anymore. So none of it matters. But let's get back to the CD. This is disc number two, Big Boy Blue, came out in 2002. And I was a little um, a little perplexed because I found a couple of different versions of this on the internet. There's the, uh, looks like the classic version, which is just this disc that we're about to review, all the same songs in the same order. But then I found a deluxe version that has um, some of the songs, or I think all of the songs from the next CD that we're going to do tomorrow, and then like four other tracks partially ones we've already covered, but it looks like it might be live on the deluxe. I don't know. Uh, all I know is we're going to go through song by song and see what we've got and just talk about each song as we get to it, because that's how we do reviews on this show. Um, if I tried to understand everything that ever happened or every release that came out of an album, even with the bands I know really well, I'm like, holy crap, when did this version come out? Um, so many cash grabs out, but... Um, yeah, we're going to dig into the music. This first song is written by Phil Wiggins, and it is called Burn Your Bridges. This is a very short song. It's only a minute and 38 seconds. Basically, what you're hearing here is the entire song, uh, just a short clip of it, but um, this, there's no other changes or anything. There was a short part where the bass uh, drops out and the harmonica keeps playing, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I like that change there. Uh, and then it has just a little mini concert ending uh, at the very end. But yeah, this is, a, this is a great harmonica jam. This is the kind of thing that I would expect if you live in the South, like after dinner, you're all out on the porch. Maybe you've got a cup of coffee or a drink or something. And somebody's going to bust out the harmonica because that's how it's going to go. And then a couple other people are stomping their feet on the porch. And maybe a couple of the ladies are dancing, uh, you know, doing like one of those. Uh, what do they call it? Um, oh, I can't think of it. Like a square dance? Is it where you like go arm in arm and then you turn around and you like you keep linking arms? Um, I think that's a square dance. I know I have actually square danced a lot when I was very young because they made us do us uh, made us do it in elementary school. I don't know why that was so vitally important. We did like a four person. Was it like a do si do? I really don't remember much other than having to do it and hating every minute of it. Um, not something I really wanted to be doing at like six years old. But in any case, I've done it, and um, maybe that's why I'm associating that with this. A song. But in any case, yeah, this is a great harmonica jam. Um, there are, this is like one of the only instruments that I know of that you can play consistently as a breathing instrument without having to do circular breathing. Now, for those of you who don't know what circular breathing is, it's basically this technique of, of muscle control that allows you to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth at the same time. And this is how people can play a didgeridoo piece for like 20 minutes without stopping. 
And that is all, you know, breathing into the didgeridoo is how you make the sound. So that being the case, there's no way that you could hold your breath for that long. So you have to be able to breathe in and out at the same time. And that is called circular breathing. For a harmonica to make a harmonica work, you actually breathe in and out through the instrument, through your mouth. So uh, it doesn't require circular breathing to be able to get a, you know, continuous sound. And this is some really great playing. I had a harmonica when I was a kid. Um, I think it came from Germany, I want to say. Don't know what happened to it. But every once in a while, I would get it out and try to play it. And I could make the same three sounds that I could always make. I never really tried. Um, It was just kind of a fun thing to play with every once in a while. It was never an instrument that I took seriously because I was already doing percussive things by that time. And that was the uh, the more interesting thing to me. I wish I still had it, though, because it was it was a nice uh, harmonica. But in any case, yeah, cool song. I really dig it. Um, it's pretty short. It's the shortest one on the album. But man, it's got like a just all right, everybody get up, tap your foot. Stuff is going to happen kind of feel to it. So I think it's a good opener. Um, not what I expected, but a good opener just the same. Our second song, this one is written by Bernie called Working for the CSA. And I have no idea what that is. Whether this song is about community-supported agriculture or the Confederate States of America, I actually don't think it's about either one because it talks about how she could mess you up with your taxes. Um, I'm not really sure what it is. But in any case, it's a good song. It's got uh, some great guitar playing in it, great vocals from Bernie, and uh, just, just a wonderful vibe. You know, it's that typical shuffle that we've been hearing, but it's, uh, it's just really smooth. Nice and smooth, nice little uh, pop-ins from the horns here and there, uh, which is is I'm finding really common, and uh, and I really enjoy that because it's just like, you know, we could just play the the main song, we could just have guitar, bass, and drums go through it, but there's just these little fill-ins which I always love when there's little magical things that happen on the side of the song, and the horns are providing that. So uh, really good tune. I really liked it. Have no idea what it's about, but I really liked it. Song three. Uh, There are 13 on this disc, by the way. Song three is called Man or Mouse. One, two, three, four.
Yeah, this is kind of more like the blues that I expect, you know, um, a lot of times there'll be like a soulful sounding Hammond organ or a harmonica that's a little bit more lively, but still has that sound of like, you know, I'm I'm not winning at life here, um, which is you know why it's the blues. But uh, I don't think that's Bernie's singing. That does not sound like his voice. I don't have any other male singers listed, so maybe... Uh, that's one of the special guests. I'm not really sure, but either way, it's a, it's a good song. I like the voice. This one, I think I forgot to mention was originally written by Herman Jr. Parker. Uh, Jr. is in quotes. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were called Jr. whether they were actually like a second in their family bloodline or, or whatever. Um, kind of a weird thing, but in any case, a good song, you know, a good solid blues song, uh, very basic, very much what you would expect to for a go-to piece of blues music. Um, song number four is called Dream On. This is not the Aerosmith one. I will not be reviewing this on the Aerosmith podcast, Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited with my co-hosts, Corey Morissette and John Mariano. However, this one is written by, looks like, um, Garrett Watkins and Bernie Marston. So let's check it out. Here's Dream On. To me, this is really a crossover into uh, country. It's not um, bluesy in the sense of the story being, you know, sad or letting out your woes. But, uh, you know, you've got the drummer playing with brushes. You've got that really twangy guitar sound. Uh, it's a pretty cool song and um, just kind of unexpected. I wasn't sure where it was going, but it does go into that, uh, you know, real classic end for this kind of song. Uh, I really like that. The style of it is just exactly what you would expect for the style of music. Uh, definitely would translate great to a stage or to, uh, you know, I kind of feel like this whole album so far could really be played on the porch. You know, like I said, uh, after dinner, everybody comes over, you know, maybe while you're waiting for the coffee to brew for dessert or, you know, whatever it is. But I just kind of feel like this is one of those albums so far where everything could just be like a spontaneous, everybody gets together, grabs an instrument or just taps, you know, on the, the wood or whatever and um, and plays along. Really fun album so far. And, uh, and we're only four songs in. So now we're going to get into a song called Down Home Blues. And this one is written by George Jackson. Good time. Do you know what's going 
comfortable and kick off these shoes. Then you can fix me a drink and play me some down home blues. You see, I don't get out much. That is the lovely Sharon Watson on vocals. What a great voice. She's got that grit that's perfect for this kind of music. She's got that you know vibrato that she just brings out very once in a while, just enough to have an inflection of it here and there. But man, that grit, that is so much everything for a song like this. Um, man, great song. Uh, Again, very classic blues musically, uh, not a lot going on except for the solos. We've got some saxophones, some guitar work in here. But, you know, musically, this kind of music is not designed to be really flashy or anything. It's, again, bass and drums, laying a bass, piano, filling in some stuff in the background. And I think the mix on this is really interesting, too, because while the piano is very busy, filling in a lot of colors to the picture, uh, it's actually very much in the background, and I like that. I think that really works well. I probably wouldn't have mixed it that way, and I would have missed out on a great opportunity to have the piano, like more the feeling of the piano than actually having the piano in your face. And I is you know when an instrument is busy, you usually feature it. That's kind of the idea. You'll drop back the uh, the basic band. You know your rhythm section will drop down a little bit and feature that, whether it's a piano or a saxophone, guitar, whatever it's going to be. And um, I kind of like that the piano is just in the background doing its thing the whole time. I just pictured like the guy being in the corner, not even caring what the band's doing. As long as he's playing in key, he can just keep going the whole time. Uh, A lot like the way Richie Blackmore plays these days, where it seems like he's just soloing constantly around the song. Um, really different style, something something I would not have done, but I really like it here. I'm going to have to look for opportunities now to see if there are ways that I can use that trick in mixing and maybe not be so concerned about featuring everything that's uh, being busy. You know, it's nice to just have it in the background and every once in a while you're like, oh, wow, look at what the piano's doing. You know, pretty cool. I I, I really like it. Uh, but great voice. I, I really like her voice. Um, I'm hoping she's on a couple more songs on this because I'm really digging her sound, especially just that guttural grit that she's got really made this song special. I mean, the soloing and everything is is great. Um, The backing band was fantastic. Uh, Exactly what you would expect. Very classy piece of music. But it's the singer on songs like this, the singer and the, you know, the soloists that are really going to bring out what the song is because the bass and drums are basically that in the blues. They're just, they're there to support, to keep the song on track, to keep it consistent with a tempo and to fill in the low end. They're not usually front instruments. So uh, that being said, they they do a solid job on every song in this album so far, but it's really the voice because this is my first time hearing her and uh, definitely dig her sound. See what our next song has to offer. This one is written by Bernie Morrison by himself, and it is called Lady Friend. Lady 
Another song that really has that Southern rock flavor to it. Um, I, you know, I don't know where the dividing line is between rock and country and blues, because it seems like it's one of those gray areas where songs can, you know, touch on multiple styles. So I'm just going to leave it as it's a Southern sounding song. It's got that really twangy uh, guitar sound to it. I don't know if that's a dobro. Um, I always picture that to be the sound that a dobro would make because it's got that big plate in it. But uh, I don't know, maybe it's not. It, either way, though, it sounds pretty cool. Like for that kind of music, um, it, it really just has a, a nice feel to it. Um, I like the song. Um, the bass was really interesting. The bass was really active. Another thing I found interesting was actually how powerful yet quiet the snare was in the mix. It's like it had just enough snap to it to where it didn't need to be loud to stay relevant in the overall sound of the song. So uh, that was interesting. Last time it was the volume level of the, the, of the piano. This time it's the snare. Um, this album is just full of surprises for me, uh, even just as an audio engineer, let alone as you know a songwriter or you know someone just who loves music. But yeah, this was a cool one. Uh, definitely had that you know slower bluesy feel. But uh, a good a good song. And the bass line really carried this one for me. Uh, great vocal as well, of course. You know, how could you not like the vocal on this song? Um, very good stuff. And that puts us to the halfway point of the album. This is the middle song, and it is simply called Memphis. If the sound wasn't so crisp and clean, I would be tempted to say that this came out in the 70s, that this was just one of those uh, songs that a band like Earth, Wind & Fire might have done. Uh, really cool jam, nonetheless. Great horns on this one. Um, really great stuff. I love the guitar doubling that comes up later on in the song, uh, well past the clip that we've heard here. But it's got a great groove. I love what the bass guitar is doing in this song. It's absolutely fantastic. I love that the riff repeats uh, before the one starts, which is really nice. It's like a lead into the riff every time. And then uh, great dynamic work on the hi-hats. I thought the hi-hats were a little bit loud, 
especially in in uh, level with the snare, um, the hi-hat seemed to be a little bit louder in the mix than I would have expected. Um, it didn't detract for me, really. It wasn't loud enough to say, oh, this is awful, but it uh, it was noticeable. But in a way, maybe it was because of the amount of dynamics that it worked. But like normally, you know, you want your your drums and bass mixed together and the cymbals are part of that. And I think it was just a little bit louder than the snare and the um, the bass guitar. But uh, yeah, a cool song. I really dig this one. Uh, probably my favorite on here so far. It's such a great jam. Um, I definitely think if this had come out in the 70s, this would have been a really big hit. I really think so. Um, but the thing about music is it's timeless. You can write any kind of song anytime. That doesn't matter. But as far as like what's trending, what's popular, you know, what might hit uh, on the radio, um, you know, that all has a lot to do with the timing of, of things. But just as far as writing great music, you can write any great song in any style you want anytime. You could write a great disco song today and it may not be relevant. It may not get a lot of radio play. Doesn't mean it's not a great disco song, you know? Um, don't do that though. Uh, now I forgot, I think I forgot to mention that that track was also written by uh, Bernie by himself. So, uh, kudos to Bernie. I love this song. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Our next song, uh, is another one written by Bernie himself. And this is called funny people. It could be funny people or funny people. I, I don't know. That's the beauty of not having any, uh, audio reference, you know, is that you don't really know what the inflection is going to be. So this could be, um, you know, like a completely lighthearted jam. It could be a sarcastic, God, people are just funny kind of thing. You really don't know. We'll see what the music says to us. And if there's words, what those say to us. Here it is written by Bernie, funny people. So we're back to what I would consider a more classic blues style. Um, just the nice, uh, you know, thumping on the bass guitar. A very quiet ride cymbal on this one, though. Compared to how loud the hi-hat was on the last song, this ride is incredibly quiet. Um, almost back there in the other side of the room with the piano. But uh, yeah, it's a good song. Uh, don't know for sure who the vocalist was on this one. Definitely not Bernie. But a uh, a nice blues song. I mean, if you just want to put something on and you know, just sit there with a cup of coffee or, you know, a glass of bourbon, whatever it is, and just listen to some good solid blues. This would be a great song to pick to do that. Moving on to our next track. This is called Loved Another Woman. And this one is written by Peter Green.
baby's gone and left me crying by myself. Oh, this is such a fantastic song. I really dig this one. Um, obviously gorgeous vocal, absolutely gorgeous vocal. But what gets me on this one is the combination of the bass and drums. It's more of a Latin feel rhythm section on here. I like that they use the rim shots uh, and the bass groove is really cool. Just keeps things moving really in a flowing manner instead of just a supportive manner. It just seems to flow a little bit more for the song. Um, love the organ too in the background. It just has a really uh, fascinating tone to it that I think really adds some darkness to this song, whereas the Latin beat and the bass feels a little more uh, positive. Like the organ's just like just sitting over you, looming, almost like don't get too comfortable because this is not a comfortable place to be. Um, and then the guitar sound is really fantastic. It's, it's really, um, it's like it's right on the edge of distorting, but doesn't. And it's a little bit louder in the mix. It has such a great tone to it. And again, I, I go back to what um, I'm remembering from like Hendrix's tone. It just seems so similar to that in my mind. Uh, could be completely off. Who knows? I'll leave that to uh, to your own opinions and your own thoughts, what you uh, remember Hendrix sound to be or compare it to this. But I think it's fantastic. Very emotional song. Um, definitely one that I could just put on and enjoy without, you know, looking at my watch, thinking my watch, how old am I? <laughs> Who even wears watches anymore? Um, looking at the clock and and thinking, wow, uh, four minutes long. I hope it moves along quickly. It's It really just goes very fast. It's uh, four, four minutes and 13 seconds and it just flies by because it's a fantastic piece of music. So uh, great job on that one, Peter Green and to the band for you guys recording it. Our next song, song 10 is called Pick It Up. Another one with an absolutely great groove. I really dig this. Um, this is the longest song on the album by far. This is uh, seven minutes and 18 seconds of Blues Joy for you. Um, quite a bit. I think the second longest one is five and a half minutes, which is the last song in the album that we'll be getting to in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, I really like the voices uh, on this one. It's two singers singing at the same time, two male voices. Sounds really good together. But that groove, man, I could just stay in that groove for a good, you know, I would say 10, 12 minutes at least. And if you're playing, if you're part of the band, you could just sit there and play that all day. It's such a good groove, really enjoyable. Uh, again, great guitar playing, um, that twangy steel sounding guitar that we're getting. Uh, really dig this one. An another really good one on the track. It actually surprises me that it's as long as it is because it didn't feel like I sat there 
for seven, almost seven and a half minutes and listen to it. Great track. Very well done on that one, Bernie. Our next song is called Do It If You Wanna, and it's by Sunny Boy Williamson. This is a uh, really nice up-tempo piece. Kind of reminds me of Real Wild Child by Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, just got that really nice feel to it. Uh, it's a great tempo, one that we're not used to hearing, or I'm not used to hearing when I think of blues music. Again, you know, don't don't take my feelings on on blues for how you should feel about it, because I walked into blues with a very preconceived notion. I'm very excited by a lot of the tracks that I've heard in this set so far, because they're really outside of the scope of what I would have expected. Um, really good stuff, though. This is a fun track, a great brush work on the drums. I really like that. Really nice vocals. Um, great harmonica playing. If that opening riff had been done on an electric guitar, you know, like a good distorted electric guitar, say. Um, you know, like um, Michael Schenker sound. Um, this could be a completely different and uh, very interesting piece of rock music. You know, you take the brushes away and you put in, you know, like a, a faster uh, drum beater, you know, something around that tempo, but but maybe something that hits harder, pounds, uh, maybe a double bass could really be an interesting song. But this is the song that we have and it's really good. I dig it. Great performances from everybody on it. And um, one that I'll say I'll I'll easily listen to again. I feel like I've heard it before, or maybe it just reminds me so much of Real Wild Child that I am confusing it with the two. But um, I don't know, maybe it was in a movie or something. Very possible. Uh, track number 12, getting close to the end of this CD, is called In My Heart. And this one is written by Bernie Marsden. love a patient song and this is a very patient song very gentle vocal i love the delivery on this but what gets me on this one is the horns 
Um, you know, the guitar is nice. The bass and drums are nice. I like the organ, but the horns are the ones that are really the glue for me that, uh, that just makes this song a solid song. Between that and the vocals, I would say, a uh, really nice balance between the two, uh, both in, in writing and performance. But you know what? Also in mix, because the, the balance uh, in volume and panning between the vocals and the horns is just perfect. They play off each other so well. It's not quite a question and response, but it kind of has that feel to it. I don't feel like it's a question and response, but a similar um, setup. Just like I have something to say, say I have something to say, you have something to say. Um, really, really beautiful song. Absolutely love it. It's it's hard to believe that that's four and a half minutes because it really it just goes by so fast. It seems like it's like maybe a three minute song at best. Uh, excellent, excellent song for this album. And um, our last song uh, on this CD, and we'll get to CD number three tomorrow, is called Tone Down, and it is by Phil Wiggins. Another entry from Phil. Let's see how it goes. It's kind of a... This is the kind of blues to me that if I were present when it was being performed, I might enjoy. Uh, it's never the kind that I would just seek out as a listener and say, wow, I really want to hear a song like this. Just not my thing. Um, that being said, I do this podcast sober. I don't typically drink any alcohol when I do a show. Um, I might have enjoyed it more if I did, because I think this kind of music just warrants sitting there and having a drink. And I think you need to be in that kind of numb zone to really soak a song like this in. And that's just me as as someone who feels about blues the way that I do. But I'm sure there are plenty of people that could just appreciate this song as is. For me, I think I'd need a little um, encouragement to enjoy a song like this more. I could see why it's a great ending for the album, though. You know, it's a good note to go on, uh, pun intended, to go out on. But um, yeah, not not a song that I would say uh, would be one for me uh, just to listen to. But then again, like if I were at a show and th there was a blues band playing and they put this song in their rotation, uh, I'm sure I would at least be paying attention, maybe even, you know, nodding my head to it a little bit, uh, probably not tapping my foot because the tempo is just too slow for me for that. Um, you know, at heart, I'm a rock and roll guy and, and um, you know, like 80s pop and uh, classical music, but typically stuff that has, I don't know, a, a bit of a drive to it. I do like a slower song now and then. I can appreciate a patient song like this, uh, but it's just a little too patient for me. Uh, that being said, overall, I think this album is fantastic. I really dig it. Of the two CDs we've listened to so far, I'm absolutely blown away by how much I'm enjoying this. I've, I've always known Bernie to be a great writer and a great performer, 
but not being someone who's like, wow, I love the blues. Uh, I have to say that I've really enjoyed these two CDs and I'm really looking forward to tomorrow to digging into another one and seeing what it has to offer. So for today, uh, we're running about 41 minutes. So I'm going to end this episode and I'll see you tomorrow for CD number three. And thanks to Bernie for some great music. Thanks to Cherry Red Records for the opportunity to review this wonderful box set that I am really enjoying. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. Have a great day. Cheers. (laughs) 